marvellous moment for Odion Egalo. A last-minute deadline signing from China. And that is a moment he would have dreamt of. And I tell you what, the whole of Nigeria will celebrate that because he's been getting massive coverage over there, becoming the first player from that country to play for United. And he scored. Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans. I am joined by my podcast friends, <laughs> Sam and Maisie. Didn't want to say co-hosts. Didn't want to say co-hosts. No, co-hosts, yeah, but not your co-hosts, like Sam put it in, in right, the Right, OK, one. so, yeah, co-hosts is fine. We're all co-hosts. It's like a tri-host. Tri-host. Because I'm thinking. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> How are we? Well, good. Very good, thank you. Helen, how are you? Good. Yes, I am good. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I'll enjoy lockdown again. Getting out, exercising, getting fresh air. That's the only way to do it, isn't it? That's all you can do. School walks. Um, it wasn't actually a school walk. I just went right. after the school run. But it was nice to get out. Little two hour, trying to get my steps up, you know. Keeping healthy. Yeah. Didn't happen to bump into Roy Keane, did you? No sign of Roy Keane on the, the morning walk today. I'll keep you updated, though. Uh, we are talking, guys, after the release of the Bruno episode, which I think went mm-hmm. down pretty well. Yeah, oh, he's so good, wasn't he? He was so confident. Brilliant. I think it was easy for people, if you're listening, to really buy into that passion, like the way he mm-hmm. talks about the club and his his sort of understanding of the the history behind him and how important it is to live up to that. Mm-hmm. I think I think people get it and people like it. Yeah, it was. I haven't actually listened to it back. Have you, Maisie? Yeah, listened to it I will have to do that. And of course, we've just recorded Wayne Rooney too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Also, excellent. Going back to Bruno, he's going to cause absolute havoc at Christmas. All those kids having the new toys and the parents. You referring to Uno? Are you talking about games? Games, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what you were talking about. (laughs) Yeah. I tell you what I just bought the other day. Don't know whether this is worthy chat for the podcast, but talking of games, Screwball Scramble. Do you remember that game? I don't know what words you've said there. Is that that Irish? No, it's a really famous game. And they've brought out a new edition. So I bought the latest edition. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Boring chat, I get it. It sounds great. Good to be there. So Bruno, check. Wayne Rooney, Mm -hmm. check. Today, Igalo, nearly check. Yeah, lots of pressure on him because the other two were so good. I'm sure he's going to be absolutely great too. Yeah, I think we've wanted him on the podcast for a long time, haven't we? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was in the pipeline. I think after he had just joined the club, and we thought, oh, we might get him. And then obviously lockdown happened, and yeah, all the rest. So it'll be good to chat to him, and I think he will have as much passion about the club as Bruno did, and Rooney, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what he says in regards to being a professional footballer and being a United fan, because we spoke to Lee Grant, who grew up as a Man United fan, but was very honest and said. You know, when he was a professional footballer, the only results he cared about were the ones for the team he was playing for. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was then more special to get the opportunity to go to United. But when he was playing, he wasn't paying attention. I wonder if that is what Odium will say or if if maybe his view is different. Because he put a picture online a few years ago, didn't he, of himself at Old Trafford, having gone to a bit like do a stadium tour and stuff. So it seems like maybe that that passion for the club hasn't maybe didn't subside in the same way it did with Lee Grant. I don't know. It'll be interesting to find out. Well, my mate Lee. Your mate Lee. Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, I was I was nearly as close as to Lee as what Sam is to Scorsese. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see what he says about going out to China because everybody, I guess, 
you know, with no disrespect, views that as a semi-retirement in the same way that, and again, I don't say this to discredit anybody or any leagues, about players in the MLS, because there was that video, I don't know if you saw it, of Javier Hernandez, like crying on the phone to his dad, saying, dad, this is the end now, I'm going to LA Galaxy, this is the end of my career. And his dad's like, what do you mean it's the end of your career? He's still going to play football. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to play in America now, so it's all over, because he was leaving Europe. So that kind of, the competitiveness and the, mm-hmm. the challenges, I guess, are, are different. And I wonder what Gallo will, will think of that, having played in the Premier League, gone out to China, and then actually is now back in the Premier League. I wonder if, if he thought, this is the end for me. This is the end of my career. I'm going to go out. I'm, um, I'll see how it goes. I'll see a new culture. I'll learn some money, and I'll still get to play the game. But it's, it's not, maybe he didn't feel it was going to carry on. Maybe he thought this was going to be his sort of farewell tour. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, he's at the biggest club in the world. I don't know. I think it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it is. To get the opportunity to come back to the Premier League, the way he's, well, the way it's happened for him. Boyard, club, grew up supporting United and has now got the opportunity to play there. It's a remarkable story. And coming from, from Lagos as well, Nigeria, what a journey that is. Absolutely. Can't wait to listen to it. No, me neither. It's just the first Nigerian, isn't he, to play for United? Is it? Yeah. In itself, yeah. Like that's, that's an achievement, isn't it? Of course, Yeah. I wonder what he's like when he goes back home. Is he like um, an absolute superstar because he plays for United? Because yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, Nigeria's full of Manchester United fans. You see that? Sorry, I was trying to find the population of Nigeria, but I couldn't find it quick enough. There'll be a lot. Let me find that. Okay, I would say sixty million. Sixty million. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? Uh, I'll go for. I'll go higher. I'll go higher. One hundred and eighty million. He is the only person to have played for United from Nigeria, which has a population, now this is going by 2018, of 195.9 million people. Wow. That's a lot there, isn't it? It's a pretty big achievement, and I would say he's a pretty big deal over there. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all those people, to have 195 million? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, there you go. Oh, actually, in 2020, Nigeria's oh. population was estimated to amount to 206 million. So, out of 206 million... He's the only one That's incredible. to play for Manchester United. It's amazing. We don't do enough population chats. Do you know what? I like that little chat. Yeah, see. I was thinking outside the box, man. Yeah. So, shall we move on? Chat to him. He's one... Hang on. Hang on. He's one He's out. one in 206 million. It's a gallo. Do you see what I did there? That's brilliant. Odin, welcome to the United Podcast. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Very fine. Excellent. So obviously because of the current restrictions, we're doing this Mm. via Zoom and you're at the Aeon Training Complex right now, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just finished training now, yeah. Uh, And how was that? I guess it's different during the international weeks because everybody vanishes. Yeah, it's... I think we only 10 or 11 players in now because uh, most of the guys are on international duty. So it's kind of strange, but it is what it is now. Mm -hmm. How's training going? All good? Yeah, all good. good. Working out? Yeah. Good stuff. Maisie, did mm-hmm. you notice that when you were when you were playing that people would leave during those international breaks? Did, did it feel different or did you quite enjoy it because there were less of you? Uh, I quite enjoyed it because we always used to get a few days off. I don't know whether that's... <laughs> oh, did yeah. you just say get a few days yeah, off? Yeah, yeah we, we had three days off, but when you come back, you're going to do extra work and the yeah. running these past two, two days has been difficult, you know. Sometimes <laughs> you wonder, okay, why do you have the three days off, you know? Exactly. When you come back, you have to do a bit extra, you know, so... 
it's okay. <laughs> yeah, totally get you. Mm-hmm. Odie, and if we can go back to the start with you, back to when you were very little, yeah. um, you grew up in Nigeria. Can you tell yeah. us about your childhood? You had lots of brothers and sisters. So yeah, a very busy uh, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very busy house. We have five and six. My had my my sister died last of year. Course, yeah. Uh, she lives in Canada. She died. So I have brothers and sisters. I think just two back in Nigeria. One is in Canada. The other one is in Italy. You know that. You know. I grew up in a in a house. I live with my brothers and sisters. You know. On you know, it was not easy at the beginning. You know, I was born and brought up in a jegule. It's called a jegule. It's like a ghetto. You know, so. Mm-hmm. It's not easy growing up there, you know. Uh, it's either you choose to play football, or you choose to become musician, or you become an hoodlum. Right. That is, yeah, that is how that place is, you know. So then your destiny is in your hands, you know. So you have to choose, you have to work out and make sure you make the best out of it, you know. So. It was not easy because you don't have people supporting you, you know, it's different compared to what we have here back there, you know. So I only had my mom that support me with everything I, I needed to to go to training, to, you know, there you even buy water you drink after you go to training, you know. It's not like here you have everything you have, you know. You have to pay to train, you have to buy your water you drink, you have to buy your football shoes yourself, you have to buy your football shirt yourself. So everything you do it yourself. And then if you come from a poor home like me, you don't have people that support you, then your whole career will just go down the drain, you know, because I have my mom, even with the little she has, selling some beverages and all that, you know, still get some little money to buy football shoes for me and all that. And she supported me right from day one. That's why where I am so today. So. It was not easy growing up, but if I look back the journey, I'm happy and I'm I'm grateful to God that my path led me to Manchester United today. Uh, I was young, went to primary school and secondary school and started playing football. So they have some scout that comes to watch, to scout players and take them to Europe for trials and all that, you know. So they came, luckily I was being picked for a trials to go to Norway. How old, Odin, how, how old was you then? Yeah, I was 17 plus, you know. So I had to went for the trials, I passed the trials, then I came back to Nigeria, you know, to, because they said they have to sell one player back then in Oslo for me to come in, you know, after I passed the trials. So I went back to Nigeria to start training, you know. So then I now turned 18. I, I can remember 31st of uh, August 2007. That's when I traveled back to the last day of the transfer window. That's when I traveled back to Norway to sign the contract with uh, Lin Oslo. You know, that's how my career started. I played one year there in Oslo. Then I was transferred to Udinese in Italy. When you were at uh, Udinese, there's a period, isn't there? I, getting right through this, uh, that you were there for, I think, a, a year or maybe a summer. You were there at the same time as Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, yeah. I was there with Bruno Fernandes. I was there with Alessi Sanchez. I was there with some couple of players and all that, you know. So the playing time was not easy then because then the uh, Di Natale was there, Simone Pepe was there, one other striker, Fabio Quagliarella was there, Bruno was there, Sanchez was there. So... 
I didn't have enough playing time then. Then I had to go on loan to Granada in Spain. Then I went on loan in Spain. Then I helped the team to gain promotion because they were down. Then later on, I, I came back to Italy to another team to try and see if I can still play in Italy and do well. I only played six months there. And I said, no, maybe the Italian league is not for me, you know. Then I went back to Spain again to Granada. So I played four and a half years there in Granada. Then before I went to Watford, they were in championship when I went to Watford. They were getting promotion to the Premier League. Odium, this, yeah. this, this is going to become the quickest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> because you're telling us all the story without us having to say. Listen, let, let's go back to your childhood. Okay. We know, we, we know you was a... We know yeah, because a, you guys are not asking a question. I, know, I just keep yeah. going, keep flowing. <laughs> Odium Nagalo, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. Um, okay. your, your love for football, the love for mm. Manchester United. How did mm. that come all about? Okay, I <laughs> I grew up in a in a like in an area where everybody watched Premier League back then. You understand? So I was very little. You know, you either support Manchester United or Arsenal or Chelsea back then because uh, one Nigerian player, ex-player Kanu Wonka, was playing for. Arsenal, so they have a lot of supporters at Manchester United. So in my house, my other brothers, even my late sister and my siblings, they support Manchester United. Me, I don't. I was very young. I don't know quite about football. So when I come, when they went to watch, they would go to viewing centre to watch the game. When they come back home, you see they will be arguing. Arsenal fans and Man U fans will be <laughs> arguing about the game and all that. Even to the rest, they want to start fighting. You know, this one insulting this team. This one insulting this team. Your team did this weekend and all that team did <laughs> so yeah so I would, I would just be listening so as I was growing up my elder brother started taking me to the viewing centre to watch Manchester United that's how uh, I fall in love with the team started watching Manchester United playing week in week out then the winning games winning the league and all that so I become who were the who were the players that you remember watching or were there moments or games that you remember as a fan being like oh that's amazing <laughs> I remember watching uh, Andy Cole, Dwight York back then. They're doing well. They're scoring good. Van Nistelrooy used to score goals every weekend. Do when then there was a great rivalry between Arsenal and Manchester United. You know, every time the rivalry is big. Even back then, and you had the rivalry for the fans there is crazy. You know, if you see them arguing and fighting, it's like they are they, they are being paid by these clubs. You know, they they. Sometimes they fight physically, arguing. You've been in the viewing center, you see people that want Manchester United to lose the game, they will be at the back screaming when they are when the game oh, is yeah. going on and all that. Yeah. You mentioned about the viewing center. Yeah. What is a viewing center? Is it like a, a, a bar, a, a restaurant or no, it's not a bar, it's not a restaurant. In Africa, you know, like these places now, they will just get like a like a proper Sky Sport TV, put it there. Then you have to pay money to go in and watch it because mm-hmm. in in Nigeria it's not everybody that can afford the Sky Sport TV. Mm-hmm. Me, I don't have Sky Sport TV in my house because you have to pay to have that in your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if you don't have that, you have to go to where they call viewing center to go watch it. So you have to pay. And how many people are there? Oh, uh, it's like in a very small place like this. You see 
close to 100 people, very tight and all that. But they don't care. They just want to watch the game. You yeah, understand? Yeah. You see people even paying to stand at the back. Some will put a stool and stand on the stool. Some will stand at the back. Some will sit down. You see a small chair like this, like three people will fold themselves like this, <laughs> watching it. They don't care about the inconvenience, but they just yeah. want to watch their their team playing and doing well. You know, that's what Covey said. So those that do, they make a lot of money from that because it's not many people that can afford that. Yeah, yeah. In the house. So, did you go there every week to watch Manchester every week, United? Yeah, I have to save money to go there. You know, because when I was growing up, uh, before you go to school in the morning, you eat breakfast at home. So, my mom would give me some little money, maybe if I want to eat lunch and all that. So, I would start from Monday saving my money till weekend because I have I want to watch Manchester United play. So you would go without lunch. Weekend. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I would share it into two. Use right. part, even uh, use part of the money for lunch and save the money because weekend is coming. You understand? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes you will even feeling hungry because you don't eat properly, but you don't want to miss the game in weekend. You don't mm. want somebody to come and tell you how the game is, how Manchester United played, how did they score, and all that. You want to say it yourself. You know, it's that yeah. passion. You know, so start saving money, saving money till weekend. Then after Friday. The school is done. You see everybody getting happy. You see they watch their their Manchester United share. The Arsenal people watch it and dry high on it. Everybody's getting set for the weekend. It's like it's like a celebration, like in the like you want to go to a party. You understand? <laughs> so on Saturday, if Manchester United is playing on Saturday, you have to pull your Manchester United shirt. You go to the viewing center, looking smart and all that. But when the game starts, sometimes that place will be. be Will be so even hot. There is no AC in. Then you have to take off your shirt and fanning yourself. You know. <laughs> which uh, which shirt did you have? Do you remember? I had one blue Manchester United shirt. I had the red one, but that blue one was very firm. The one that have one logo here, like I think it's Nike, and I had one old picture back then. So it's it's blue. I had the blue one, the red one, but it's the blue one that was raining then. I used to put on. So go to the viewing center. You pay. You watch the game. Then from the viewing center. Oh, you've muted. No, unmute. Is it okay now? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we go to the viewing center and after the game, you see we arguing about the football from the viewing center back home. You know, if your team win, you have the upper hand to 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 start saying bad words to the other team. You know, <laughs> saying bad words to the other. But if your team lose. You have to be on the defending side, you know. You see people arguing and shouting, even to the extent they want to start fighting and quarreling and all that, you know. So it's crazy. But if I just remember the memory, it makes me laugh and look my part today. I'm playing for Manchester United. It just make everything even even more greater. And, uh, and people telling me, hey, you have to write a book about this. I know how you support. How you go crazy about Manchester United and all that, you know. Sometimes I cry if Manchester United lose a game. You cry because when you come home, you see the other people arguing and saying bad words to you and all that. You you sometimes I share tears and all that because you don't want your team to lose and all that. That's how crazy it is back then. <laughs> how uh, how old were you? Yeah, t- 10, 12. T- I was going to primary school, secondary school. Then I remember I was when I started knowing about Manchester United was like 10, 11 years old when my brother, they always take me to go watch the viewing centre, you know. Then I started knowing more about football, talking about football, know that this is Manchester. I don't know more about the game, but 
from there, I started learning more about the team, following the team till till today. You know, <laughs> I wondered because we're a similar sort of age. So I wondered if did you did you go to one of the viewing centers or something? Did you watch the Champions League final? In 1999? Uh, I was, no, no, no. I was very young then. I don't think I, I know when my my brothers came back, they were they were happy and drinking and hitting everywhere and all that, you know. <laughs> I remember I did not watch that game. I don't know what happened then. I did not watch the game. I think my, I remember my brother said that, it's, that place is going to be so crowded and it's going to be so dangerous and all that that you are, you are so young, don't need to go, and all that, no, I know I was, but when they came back, they were happy, jubilating, drinking, hitting everywhere, shouting, and all that, you know? I mm. know there was a lot of excitement back then, you know? <laughs> at this age, did you think that you were going to become a professional footballer at that age? Or was it just a dream for you at that time? It was just a dream, you know, because uh, when I'm, when I was training back then and playing football, I just want to play and because every footballer back then in that place I grew up, I know it was very difficult. It's like a ghetto and dangerous place and all that, you know. Everybody that's playing football, they are just walking out to just travel out of the country to go play outside Nigeria. They don't care where it is. Yeah. They don't care what country it is. They just want because they believe when they travel out, there's even more better opportunity. Yeah. them outside Nigeria than playing in that in that place, you know. So then I was not thinking of any other thing than just to train and hopefully I have the opportunity to play outside Nigeria. I don't care where it is, but just to leave that place I was. Have, have you always been a centre forward? Yeah. Sometimes I play from the right. Sometimes I play from the right, left. When I was in, 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 in high school, then play from the right or left, then centre forward. Sometimes I play like the second striker or the first yeah. striker. And your and your your youth team prime was it? Yeah, uh, Gilos Bega was uh, one team back in Nigeria. I remember I was playing in one in training one one grassroots team, and Gilos Bega is like a Premier League team in Nigeria, you know. So uh, I remember we went to play the team a friendly game. Then uh, the coach said, ah, you are too young, you, you're a good player. Can you remain with us and start training with the team? And I was like, and the team was outside Lagos, you know, because I was born and brought up in Lagos. So traveling to another city, I was very young. I was reluctant to stay. I know that I said, no, we'll take care of you. So I started with the junior team. Then later on, I started playing. I played one year for the first team. Then, then from there, I moved to, I was supposed to, moved to another team, but later on went to Prime. I did not stay long there before the scouts, they came to Nigeria to watch players and they picked me for a trials. Then I went for the trials in Norway. Were people talking about you in your neighborhood at that time saying he's going to, he's going to make it? Yeah, people knew I love football then because uh, sometimes I, I woke up in the morning, I go to school I come back home, I just throw my school bag and I went, I'm going to play football. Sometimes my dad will spank me, say you don't do any work at home and all that. Sometimes if I come back home, I'll pass through the bag, back door, my mom will open the door for me and come. I remember my mom and my dad have arguments sometimes, you know, because I know I didn't do my homework, I didn't do nothing, I just dropped everything and went to play football. My mom was like, can you leave him alone? You want to play football, this is what you want to do, can you leave him? 
my dad said, I don't care if one boy has to do the, uh, the homework, he has to do this, he has to do that at home. Don't just come back and drop your bag and all that. So they argued, I can remember vividly, they argued, argued and all that, you know. Not like my dad don't want me to play football, but he want me to still go to school and and do some work at home, not just coming back and don't do nothing, you understand? So my mom, sometimes he need to just cover for me and even do some of the things I need to do because I, I go to play football, you know? So that's how it is. <laughs> so people were thinking that you were going to have a career as a footballer. Did your, did your family think that? Uh, From what age my... did people start to realize you could, you could make your career? Yeah, when I was playing for, for my school team, because before you have to play for your school team, you must be, you must be okay, you must be good. So when I started playing for my school team and when we come, we play football on the street with barefoot, you know, I would play well and score goal and people say, anytime we want to play, they, they, they like to choose me first, you know. So in the area, they say that he's, he's one of our, he's our best player in the streets, in our street, because sometimes we play football this street versus the other street. So it's like a street competition, you know, with barefoot on the road, you know. So they say it's our best player in the street and all that. So sometimes they'll say it close to my mom and, and my mom were very happy and all that. They said, they'll just say, oh, it's going to make something out of it, you understand? They never believed it's going to turn. They know I'm good in playing football, but they know it will take connection yeah. or people that really see what you have and support your dream for you to make it in football. Because I could remember many players who grew up together in the community I trained with. Many of them are much better than me, you understand? But they don't have the people that supported them. Mm. I could remember even before I was being picked when we went to go play football outside Lagos, my mom had to give me money to pay for the transport. I was crying throughout the night. I said, I'm not going to sleep. If you don't give me the money, to, I want to go to this game. I have to travel. But I could remember three good players in our team could not travel because their mom could not afford to give them the money for the transport. Their dad could not afford it. They, they, don't, they can't even afford to eat well, not to talk of giving them transport to go travel out of Lagos to another city. It's like three hours journey. You know, you have to pay for the bus. Every player has to pay, contribute money to pay. So I cried to my mom. I said, you have to give me money for this. I need to go for this game and all that. You know, he said, I don't have money. And all I was crying, hitting the door and all that, doing some. Finally, he gave me the money, that, that faithful money, and I have to go with the team, you know. That's when I've been picked by the coach that, that I should remain with the team to train with them. They played with the junior team. Then from there, they registered me for the first team. That's how my mind started. That's the the best money your parents have ever given you? That yeah. small money for that yeah, transport? Yeah, my mom. Yeah, that's why every time I talk about my life, for me, after God in my life, is my mom because uh, my mom sacrificed a lot for me, for where I am so today, and I'm happy. She's alive. She's happy where I am, even playing for my dream club, you know? which she too was supporting back then when we were young, you know, and it's a dream for her too, even though we talk every time, he, he's happy and all that. You understand? Even though where people say, ah, he's not playing much and all that. She does not care. He said, you're playing for your dream club. This is what you're going to cherish all the days of your life. In the history, in your football history, you've played for the biggest club, your dream club, and the club you love and all that. So 
she's very happy and i'm and i'm and i'm and i'm happy about that it's really nice i love listening to you talk about man united it's it's so exciting <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, uh you know the it's not just i'm not just saying it because people knew me when i was growing up how i supported it's crazy we, we fight we used to fight i used to cry even when i was in china before i uh, uh join man united some games man united would lose i feel sad sometimes i don't eat you understand that's how i am you know but now i'm playing for the team the same team i supported all my life and i'm in the team so it's not everybody that have this opportunity it's not everybody dreams that come to pass you know but mine came to pass so i won't take it for granted i'm going to cherish it all the days of my life and it's things i'm still going to tell my kids when they grow up when they understand more about life you know does that make you sad when you think about the the millions of children in Nigeria who maybe don't have the connections you say their parents can't pay that little extra for the transport that must make you feel very emotional especially thinking about childhood friends who whose life could have been completely different yeah i i i feel sad when i when i because those childhood friends even to today when i go back to nigeria they they always in my house we spend time together mm-hmm. i help them anywhere i can i can help them even some i'm paying for their trip to travel for trials out i think one will be traveling out of nigeria in a couple of months to go for trials and all that you know because uh, because I had the opportunity because my mom sacrificed for me. They don't have the opportunity mm. and they are very good players. So it makes me sad sometimes when I see people going through that millions of people don't have the opportunity. It's part of why I built an orphanage to in Lagos mm. in Nigeria to help the less privileged and I'm building an academy too in Lagos to start scouting and helping the young ones, take them outside for trials. If they pass the trials, start in life, because this is the opportunity I didn't have mm-hmm. when I was young, nobody. And I see when I go back home, I go to train. I even go to where I grew up, watch people play boys train. I see talent wasting, you understand? And I said, no, this talent cannot waste like this, you understand? If I did not have my mom that supported me, maybe my own talent too would have been wasted. So. I'm doing, I'm building a football academy back in Lagos, which I'm working hand in hand with some other corporate outside to go. Even last week, one of my, my agent that took me to Norway was in Nigeria to, to, to still scout for players, looking for players and all that, you know, I told him to go watch the boys I'm scouting from my academy to see how they're good so that I can give them opportunity to travel out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not really easy, you know, but, I'm happy where I am so today and I'm happy I'm in a position to still try to help people back there. Of course, yeah. Tell us tell us about your journey to Norway. How did that come about yeah, as a kid? Yeah, the journey to Norway, I remember that I... It would also have been a, a huge culture shock as well. Yeah, uh, I remembered when I was playing in that team back in Nigeria and this scout, they come every year to come scout players, you understand? So... This is my agent now that scouted me. I've been working with the same agent since 2007, you know. Yeah. The same uh, guy I'm still working with, you know. He came with some other scout and all that, and he said, we like how you're doing, but you have to do the, you have to still work hard and all that and all that. So they went, not the first time they came. So the next time they came, he said, okay, I think we'll take you for a trials now, if ready. 
So if I, my mom was crying that night when I was about to leave, I went for the trials. I passed the trials, I came back to Nigeria because they said they have to sell a striker for me to come in. Mm-hmm. But um, if the striker goes, I'm the one who's going to take his position. So I was back home training and all that. My mom was not happy about that. He just, just want me to leave, to go start my life outside and all that, you know? So when they saw that striker, I think towards ending of August. So I was sitting down at home after training and children just called me from Norway said, we have been, I have not told you this. We have been working on your visa and all that. You have to travel to the next city, the capital city of Nigeria, Abuja, for your visa. You have, we have made an arrangement and all that. You have to get your visa on the 30th and you have to travel that 30th night to arrive that first morning in Oslo to sign your contract and all. Because that day the transfer window will close. We have to do this as soon as possible. I was rushing and all that. And before I was going, my mom called me and my, my late sister called me. They were, they were crying and praying for me that you are going now. You know how it is back home here. You know where you're coming from. You know how it's difficult for us to survive here. Please go and make us proud. Make sure you don't come back to this country without a contract. Make sure you don't come back to Nigeria without achieving your dream and playing and all that, you know. My mom was a bit sad and I'm young, I'm going and all that. But at the same time, she's happy that I'm leaving, you know. This is what we have always dream of and that's it. Then I traveled to Norway and I signed my contract and I was happy. I called her, she was very happy. That's how my career started. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah, you looked a bit touched by that, Maisie. Ah, I, I could imagine it. I can imagine him having to leave, you know, you, you, your mother, your sisters crying and You've got to leave to go to a totally different country. Yeah, and totally I, different country. Very cold. Norway. Cold as well, yeah. Uh, imagine <laughs> you, you, live in, you live in Nigeria, you have 35 degrees, 38 degrees, then you go into a country. I played on... How did, on how did you cope? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in August, the weather is still okay, but in September, yeah. the, the snow started. In November... We have 10 Mr. Snows. In December, I was training outside, outdoor, minus 20 degrees in Oslo. You know? So I remember where I came from. And I weighed the option. Do you want to go back to Nigeria because of this cold? Or mm-hmm. you want to continue your career like this and be successful? I said, I would, I would not change that for anything. I would not go back to Nigeria because of this cold. I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna do it. But this code, I'm gonna work out and make my end because going back to Nigeria is not an option for me. It's mm. never an option for. Me. Even my mom told me coming back is not an option. Just try and make something out of it. I remember when in that December, my say my agent he brought some other players to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> this is very funny. This guy was the <laughs> this guy was it was the top scorer in Nigeria league, you know. So he came to Norway back then in December. It was very cold. He has not seen cold before. He has not seen snow. My first time of seeing snow in my life. I saw I I I saw snow on TV, but my first time of seeing snow in my life was in when I went to Norway during that time when it was winter. So I was playing with snow. It's like it's it's new to me. You understand? 
So this guy came to Norway. It was it was from for trials, you know. So the first day he finished training, he just rushed into the dressing room, he take off everything and jump into the shower, and he ran back out again. I said, "Why? What's going on?" He said, "It's very cold, but when he jumped into the shower, it's like his body is shocking him because it's too cold. You understand? You know when you come from cold and you just put yeah. your hand on yeah. hot water. So he was feeling it, and he came to sit down. I said, "Are you okay?" He said, "I'm fine. I'm fine." So after two days, my agent called me. He said. This guy say he want to go back to Nigeria. <laughs> 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 Did he go I say, back? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I said, what do you say? He said, he said he want to go back. He can't cope. I said, what do you mean? Is the is the top scorer in Nigeria league? He has to. Atta said, the boy say he can't cope. It's too cold for him. He's going back to Nigeria. I said, Atta, you don't have to let him go. It's, the boy says he's going, he doesn't care, he's going back home. Before I know, after two, three days, this guy told me in the dressing room, I'm leaving back to Nigeria tomorrow. I said, what? What happened? He said, I can't survive here because it's too cold for me and I don't sleep in the night and all I want to go back to Nigeria. But <laughs> 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 oh. he had to change his ticket and told the club that the guy said he can't make it because it's too cold for him. Maybe he's going to come during... The summertime for the trials back again and all that. That's how that guy went to Nigeria. I was laughing. I was if I remember those moments. Sometimes I sit down at home. I will be laughing if I remember those moments. You know, because not everybody that can take that struggle. Because you have to be mentally strong. Yeah, you have to know what you want in life. You have to know where you're coming from. I remember my mom told me coming back to this ghetto life is not an option. You have to make it work. I know it's going to be difficult, but we are praying for you. Just give your best, work hard, and God will see you through. So when I remember all this, all the cold and everything, I just remember what my mom said. He said, coming back is not an option. You have to make it work. You don't, you don't want to come back here and start squatting with us in this one bedroom and start, I will start looking for money to give you again to buy this to buy no you have to make it work and all that you know it's not everybody that have that mentality it's not everybody that can cope in some certain situation you know so that guy went back home and that's it you know i was laughing even when i remember that it's so funny you know have you ever have you ever spoken to him since no no see after then we lost contact i've not i've I've not (laughs) maybe maybe he's listening now I hope not. Oh, it, was so, it was so funny. The first day of the training, when he came inside, he just took took the hand glove off and the head warmer took on. He jumped into the shower with hot water and he ran back again. I said, what's going on? He said, I don't know. My body's shocking me. I said, why? <laughs> he said, I can't feel my toes anymore. My toes, my feet are so cold. I can't feel it anymore. He took the boot off and he started pointing hot water I say you don't do that because you're just coming from cold settle down yeah. then before you go to the shower if you jump in the shower like that you're gonna feel summer <laughs> I was laughing <laughs> like sh- sharing tears laughing I said no this is so funny man okay. <laughs> so funny so uh, how did you end up going from Norway to Italy and what was your time in Italy like yeah I when I started playing in Norway I, I, I was doing well playing well scoring goals and all that. So I remember my my agent called me. He said, some teams want you. I remember three teams in, in Holland want me. 
Udinese want me and uh, one team in Russia too, Dynamosco want me. So the president of uh, Udinese, which was Gino Post, the owner of uh, Watford now, he called me, he said, you young player, I know that we want you. He told me that I want to groom you. We know you have a good future and all that, and all that you know? So even though the other team in Russia were offering even times three of what I'm going to get, you know? So my agent said, you have to decide. But as an agent, I would like you to go to Udinese because they're going to build your career from there. But if you go to Russia, you're going to earn more money, but you don't know how your career is going to go. You understand? I remember we are in... We, and, it, and it's freezing. Yeah, and it's freezing too. So, <laughs> you don't want to go from Norway to Russia. <laughs> so I remember we were going to the, to the, to the airport. We, we were about to board to Italy for to go because the two clubs already found an agreement, you know? So I was about to board to Italy to go finalize the deal and all that I the the club in Russia started calling my agent and all that I was sitting close to him was showing me they are calling him they said no we should not go to Italy okay they're going to add more money to the money they're offering before they want me to come to Russia and all that I should, they should I should cancel the ticket not go to Italy and all that and my agent said no it's too late he has already made up his mind and all that then I signed for Dinesa you know so but I didn't play much in Udinese because there's a lot of competition in the team. A lot of, imagine we have Di Natale as a striker there, Sanchez too, Alex Sanchez too was there, Fabio Quadrella, Simone Pepe, Floro Flo. So it was a big competition. So I didn't play much, you know. Then I had to go 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 on loan to Spain. How was that? Was that a relief getting out of Italy and moving to Spain? Yeah, because uh, even though. I was leaving the first division Syria to go play the the lower league in Spain, you know. Yeah. My agent say, told me one thing. He said sometimes you have to go one step back to go to up, you know. You are not playing here, go to where you're gonna play, then you have more opportunity to go to more bigger team because the more you play, the more you have opportunity and all that. So, which I, I was a lot of time to leave them, but I said I have to go because I need to have a playing time. Then I went there, then I started playing, started doing well again. And that led you to Watford? Yeah, I I remember to, you know, the owner of Watford and Udinese and then Granada is one person, it's Tijino, you know. So, he said uh, uh, after my... I remember 2014 after the season finished, he told me we'd like you to come to Watford because we want to gain promotion. You know, we have Troy Dini here doing well. We have some other players here. We believe with you, add some some quality player to the team, can gain promotion to the Premier League and all that and all that, you know? So, and me, it's my dream to play in the Premier League, you know, even back from when I was growing up, watching Manchester United, I was praying one day, my path would cross to, to, to England and play in Manchester United, you know, playing the Premier League, you know. I never thought one day I'm going to play, even though now sometimes I wake up and I see myself as Manchester United player. It's still like a dream to me, you know. So he called me and he said, OK. And I talked to people that I trust about it. They say, yeah, it's good to go, even though you are playing in La Liga, first division, 
Doma, you remember how you left Udinese first division to come to Granada, and now you have the team game promotion to to the La Liga. You can do the same thing and all that. Then I went to Watford, did so well the first season and all that. I think I scored twenty goals. Troy Dini twenty one and game promotion to the Premier League. Then that's how it is. My first season in Premier League was was top, was very good. Then uh, the second season what, they brought What did it before you get to the second what did it feel like to know that you'd reached that goal in your life? You were gonna be a Premier League player. How did that feel? And at some point did it occur to you that you were gonna play Manchester United and get the chance to play at Old Trafford? Because we spoke to Lee Grant on the yeah. podcast and he was a boyhood Manchester United fan. Mm. But he told us that when he started playing professionally, mm. he only focused on the team he played for. Mm. And then when the opportunity to join United came up, he was really excited about it. And he said it felt very special because that was the team that he'd always supported. But he said, mm. honestly, as a professional, it was just the team he played for. When you yeah. were at Watford in the championship, were you still paying attention to Manchester United? Or at this point, were you just focused on Watford because that was the team that you played for? Yeah, I was playing for Watford, but I was watching Manchester United games because then Watford was in championship. So my aim is to work with Watford to gain a, a promotion to Premier League so that I would play against Manchester United. But then I was still following Manchester United, watching them week in, week out. So when we gained promotion to Premier League, a good offer came from China. The, the club already accepted the offer because it's a big money for them. I turned it down. I said, this is my dream of playing in Premier League. I'm not going to sell this dream for nothing. I remember the club, Ebay, they flew all the way from China, was sitting down like this. They offered me money. They said, okay, is it money? We're going to give you more money and all that. I remember the club president, already, they already accept the offer. They were calling me, ah, this is a good offer. You can't turn it down. It's good money for you and your family. I said, I don't care. My dream is to play in the Premier League and I'm not going to sell that dream now. I just gained promotion to the Premier League. I don't care what they offer. I know that. My agent told me, you have to play in the Premier League because even one good season in Premier League yeah. can take you to play in any club of your dream. So don't, don't look about the money. I know the money is tempting and all that. For three nights, I could not sleep dreaming about this money, talking and all that, you know, young boy where I came from, from poverty place and all that, then you offer me this kind of money and all that. I said, no, I want to, I want to play in Premier League. Then I turned it down. Then I played in Premier League and I could remember I want to play against Manchester United <laughs> in Old Trafford. <laughs> me and, me and Troy didn't had some face off because I was eager to score against my United. <laughs> I, I was like, there's a pass like this. I'll just give Troy to just tap in. I blasted it. David save it, you know. I missed like three good chances in that game. I don't want to pass. I just want to score another. <laughs> then I think Aquamata scored a free kick. We lost that game 1-0. Then Troy Dean was angry. We argue. He, he 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 talked to me inside the dressing room, and the coach tried to 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 talk to us. Then the next day in the training ground, the coach called both of us and talked to us and all that and all that because he said, "I know you're a Man, Man, Man United fan, and I know how eager 
you 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 want to score against them, you want to score against you, you want to play in Old Trafford and all that and all that. So he understand my plight because Troydini too, every time we played Aston Villa, he's always going crazy. You want to score against mm. Aston Villa because he hates that team so much and all that. You understand? You want to score. Me, I love Man United. I want to score, I want to do well against them so that they will talk about me, then see if opportunity will come back then. So that's why I was I was playing, fighting, trying to score that day. Unfortunately, I did not score. But then me and Troy talk about it, then we forget about it and carry on with our games, you know. Did you see, so you're saying Troy looked at a, a, a team like Villa and he wanted to score because he disliked them. But for you, was it yeah. almost like an audition? You wanted to show that you belonged at Old Trafford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to show, I wanted to do well because doing well against Man United can bring opportunity to come to the team, you understand? Mm -hmm. So I want to do well, I want to score goals, I want to play so well and all that, you know? So I was eager, I was, even before the game in, in the night, I was just dreaming how Old Trafford looks like, you understand? This is... Audience, had you, had, had, when you was at Watford, had you ever been to Old Trafford through midweek or to watch any games? No, I've never been, but so, I remember so, so, I... So, you, I, so your first game... Yeah, that's my first game, but I remember... Time. I remember in 2013, I came to Manchester just to come view Ultra. I even took one picture outside Ultra Trafford Stadium. Yeah, I just came yeah. and I was like, it was, it was locked, so we could not go inside. So I was just taking pictures outside Ultra Trafford and watching. And I took one picture. The picture was very old. 2013, I could remember. I was in Ultra Trafford, but I could not go in. But when I was playing for Watford, I did not have any opportunity to watch any game in Ultra Trafford. But yeah. it's, it's the first game I played there. After, even when we arrived, arrived stadium, the team was inside. What was that feeling like? Was great. Driving up, driving up to Old Trafford, walking on the pitch. It was great feelings because when we arrived in, in the stadium, the team was inside dressing room. I just came out and was just watching the stadium round and all that. So many memories coming in my head. I said, this is the same stadium I watched Rod Vinistoroy, watch a... a, a uh, and they call pay to view center to watch another look at me standing in the same old travel. It's like <laughs> many yeah. things were going in my head. I said, God is good. So I went inside dressing room, get changed and all that. So that game was like, you know, I was like crazy in the game. You know, I want to do everything at the same time and all that. But unfortunately, I did not score. And that's it. Could you imagine your brothers back home? Watching the game on on the TV and thinking about them as well, because that, that that must be amazing for your family to be back um, in Nigeria watching yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 always proud of me. They always call me to talk to me. They always ask me how the atmosphere, everything, and all that. Sometimes I call them on video call to see how how it looks like and all that. Sometimes I do video and send them and they're having it on their phone showing their friends, look, look at my brother <laughs> live on no travel, look at my brother, look, this is live and all that, you know? So it's 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 a crazy moment, you know? So mm -hmm. If we can move on as well, because we've still got to get to Manchester United. Um, but before that, <laughs> what was life like for you in China? How did you feel about that move? Did you enjoy your time there? I remember a new coach came in in Watford and started, tried to change so many things, you know. So most of the players were not happy. Even Troy Dini was not playing much then. Me, I was not playing much, so I was not happy. Instead of me having problem with the coach, I just need to, to leave, you know. I remember I had offer from West Brom, I had offer from Crystal Palace and all that. But 
Watford was looking for way big money, you understand? I remember Crystal Palace offered 15 or 16 million pounds to buy me back then, but uh, Watford already got like 20 million pounds offer from a team in China, you know? So they already accepted the bid, so they turned down every other club that were coming and all that. So there's nothing I can do then. I said, okay, I've achieved my dream in playing in Premier League. I've achieved my dream in playing in Old Trafford. Then let's see what the future holds. Mm -hmm. I went to China. I played three years back, back in China and all that, you know. I, if I see my life today, I'll just feel I'm the most luckiest man on earth or the most luckiest boy on earth, you know, because Imagine I'm playing in China, my age, that hold is against me. Playing in China is against me. Coronavirus pandemic just started in China, it's against me. Then at the same time, I moved to my dream club. How, uh, how did it happen? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that I, my agent, same agent I'm using, told me that it's, it's Norwegian, you know. So he said, uh, I want to uh, uh, see if you can go on loan and all that to to UK. Manchester United are looking for short loans for a striker because Rashford is injured and all that. What do you think and all that? I said, what, what club did you just mention? <laughs> he said, Manchester United. You know, since the day he mentioned this name, Manchester, I did not sleep throughout. He said, but I want to tell you, you are not the only option. They have like four, five other options of striker. Every night I pray, <clears throat> I said, God, we not allow them to take any of the other striker. They're going to take me. <laughs> so <laughs> my agent, so every day I'll call my agent, what's going on? He said, I've not had anything from them. They have other options. Maybe they, they want to go with the other options and all that. I said, okay, just keep me posted anything that is going on. I could not say it out because if I tell anybody, they won't believe that. They'll say, are you crazy? You are playing in China, Manchester United, the, the biggest team in the world will come for you. You're playing in China with your age. And they're not going to believe. So I just keep it to myself. I was just praying in my mind, say, God, I hope this happened. I hope they don't get another striker. They get me, even though it is one month long. Let me achieve this, even though it is one month to wear that Manchester United jersey. Let me accept it and all that. So I did not hear anything from my agent and all that. So a day before the transfer is going to close, my agent called me that it's like they're interested because the other strikers, they cannot get them and all that. I said, are you serious? And all that. He said, yes, but I'm going to call you back. So I was, it was like 11 p.m. No, 10.30 p.m. In, in Shanghai. I just saw my agent call me that. Man United want to do this deal. Who are we going to talk to? I remember I was naked in the bed. want to try <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> he said, who are we going to talk to? I jump off from there. I said, Atta, what you just said? He said, Man United want to make the deal. Who are we going to talk to? I said, okay. We're in the camp then. We're in the hotel then with the team and all that. I said, our director, I want to go look for... I, just tie it toward my waist. I run out of my room. I go knock our director door and all that. It's not speaking English. I went to the other translator. I hit his door. He said, what's going on? Igalu, this is uh, uh, 11 p.m. in the night. I said, where is the director? 
my agent want to speak to him now and I say what's going on he said I'm Manchester United won't take me on loan you have to do whatever you're going to do to make it work and all that I say you have to do it so I think my agent did not connect they started speaking and all that and all that Agent say, uh, you have to get a pay cut and all that. I say, I don't care the pay cut. Just make the deal happen. I don't care about the pay cut. I want to go. If Are you sure Manchester United want me? My agent had to screenshot the message to show me that it's real. Before I believe, because I never believed my eyes. So he said, uh, they're going to send the offer now through email and all that. So when they send the offer, he showed me the offer. I saw the Manchester logo, the paper heading. <laughs> My, I was shivering like this <laughs> on a bed. I was shivering. I said, oh, God, let this happen. Let this happen. Let this happen. I was praying. I was praying. I was praying. Then the two clubs started negotiating and all that, talking about the contract. I was on the bed. I was just, my head was heavy and all that. Said uh, you're gonna get this less. You're gonna. I said I don't care what less, what money and all that. Just do it and let me go and do, do. The, my agent now told me that it's, the thing is going well and all that. They started changing paper and all that. Till I did not sleep till that that 11 p.m. till 5 a.m. in the morning when they fax everything and was 5 a.m. in Sh Shanghai time. How how close how close was this to the actual deadline day time? Very close. Very, very close. So you, I could imagine you're panicking like mad. I was panicking. I was shaking. I was looking all the news, know what is going. Want to see what is going on and all that. The around six ten in the morning, my agent just sent me message that the deal went through and all that. I just lie down. My, I took what I drink, what I lie down on the bed. I was like here in tears, and I called my mom. My mom said, "What?" <laughs> what? You didn't tell me what is going on, so that you put it in prayer too. I said it already happened because I don't want to put you in a panic mode. I don't want to tell you what is going on. Then if the deal did not work, then you're gonna feel sad or you're gonna get heartbreak. So that's why I did not tell you. But I want to tell you now, I'm a Manchester United player for the next six months. My mom was crying, shouting, I could hear his background. And my one of my siblings, what's going on, mom? Then he told my sibling what's going on and all that they were happy and all and all that then i start then they now announce it on the on the news and I, my phone was blowing off <laughs> my phone was blowing off i could not eat you understand they have to start doing paper and all that i just came out from where my team were they all of them congratulating me and all that everybody was happy and all that i was not focused on that i just want my agent to tell me when is your next flight to manchester because i want to land in manchester before i Believe it. No, this is reality, you <laughs> yeah. understand? I don't want to tell me that uh, nothing is going on. I want to land in Manchester. So, I landed in Manchester airport and I saw Sky Sport there and all that. Then I know, yes, this is real. And till today, it still feel like a dream to me if I see that and I look how everything happened and all that. And I said, God is good, I'm happy my dream cross path with Manchester United, my dream club, club I've supported from when I was young and play. Not everybody have this opportunity. Not everybody dream come true, but mine come true. So I don't take it for granted. Every day I wake up in the morning, I will come to the training ground, see the guys, do my best, work hard, and till the last day I'm going to leave the club, you know? So when you first met your teammates and the manager, mm. was that 
so you did the quarantine back in the hotel, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, in the hotel. Yeah, I was I, I was doing the quarantine back in the hotel. Then at the same time, I was going to gym so that I don't stay idle for two weeks, yeah. working out, doing some training and all that, you know. So. Did you speak to the manager or your teammates in that time on the phone or Zoom? I, I, I spoke to the manager and he told me, this is what is going on and all that. And I said, no problem, I understand. And I know Bruno sent me a message because he doesn't have my number on Instagram. He said, welcome, good to see you again, good for our uh, path to cross again. Hope you are ready, we're coming back from, because the team went to training camp in Marbella. He said, I'm gonna see you when you come back and all that. I said, no problem, then that's it. What was that, what was that first day driving down into Carrington, down the big long drive? Turning left into the training centre. <laughs> what was that like? And then obviously, then you meet the manager. Yeah, I that day, I came in with my agent, with one of uh, my agent's friend and all that. I told him, I said, this phone, you have to video me from the start of entering this training ground till when I left because this is my first day. Come in, I made the doctor, do some tests, do some things, made the gaffer, spoke and all that. Ojin, I wonder if I can ask you a question that I think maybe people listening might have the same thought. You've just described your story of actually signing for Manchester United. And it's like a, a vision that I probably had every day when I went to bed when I was a child. And I think most Man United fans listening probably had the same experience. And you lived it. And now here you are. Behind you on the wall is the Manchester United crest. On your shirt that you are currently wearing is the Manchester United crest. In this moment, right now, what does it feel like that you've achieved that? And you are a Manchester United player. You've scored goals for the club and, and you're still a Manchester United player. It's difficult to explain because I don't know I'm going to explain this, you understand. Uh, it's something I'm going to cherish all the moment, all the days of my life. I, like I said, not every dream do come true, but mine come true. This is what I've longed for. And I'm enjoying every moment of it. Every time I wake up, I come to the training ground. I still remind, remind myself I'm Manchester United player, the first Nigerian to play for Manchester United, mm -hmm. the first Nigerian to score for Manchester United. It's, it's an achievement that nobody is going to take away from you. It's going to be, it's going to be with you all the days of your life. You're going to talk about it. This experience, I'm going to even tell to the younger ones and all that. that Believe in your dreams. Just keep working hard and believe in your dreams. You never know how the life is going to plan out. Believe in yourself. Believe in your dream. Keep working hard. Don't give up, you know, because it's easy to give up when circumstances happen in life. But never give up. Keep working hard. And dreams do come true. Dreams do come true because mine come true. And I believe the young lads there that want to play for Manchester United. I believe their dreams can come true if they keep working hard, believe in themselves and never give up. How proud will that be for you to make some of those children's dreams come true through the work that you're doing in Nigeria? How much do you want to see one of those children one day in your shoes? Yeah, that's why I'm putting too much effort, you know. Um, I'm telling you, I try, to, I try to do as much as I can Concerning my orphanage at Beauty Nigeria, I try to make them work hard. Even the academy, I'm going, I speak to them every time. I told them, work hard, work hard. There's no shortcut to such work hard. Believe in yourself. Believe you can achieve whatever is in your mind. 
but you have to work out for that and i try to provide what i uh, 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 what they need and all that i know in my house now i have a lot of football shoes i, I got even from my teammates even the one i bought with my money and all that i'm going to take back i'm going to send back home i did some football jerseys football bags and all that track suits up and down for the team and all that so they will look decent and all that I, I every every month i have a budget for them because they're in a camp where they feed how they live I, I bought a big bus they used to travel if they want to travel outside lagos to go play a game the bus is there i employed they have a coach they have a, a, a doctor they have a i employ like eight to ten people working with the team to 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 make sure everything is going on well and all that and i'm building like a, a training complex back mm -hmm. there in lagos you know so i want to give them this opportunity i did not have you know so that they will be comfortable and think solely only about football you know, because when you don't have football shoes, you're easily distracted, you know. When you don't have water to do, when you don't know if you finish training, if you're going to see food to eat, if you're going to see water to drink, you'll be distracted. But when you are in that kind of condition, you know, when you finish training, there's food for you to eat. When your football shoes is bad, you have a new football shoes, then you concentrate only on football and work out. Then you can achieve your dreams. I think people listening will be so inspired by how positive you are, but you have mentioned that you have to deal with difficult circumstances and you're just talking about football boots. Now, it occurred to me, you have your late sister's name on yours, don't you? And when you yeah. scored your first goal, mm. uh, you performed a very moving tribute to her. How difficult was that for you? And I guess how hard is that now that, that she's not here to, to enjoy this part of your life? It's very difficult, you know, because I... I sometimes I, I cry a lot, but sometimes I just believe this is life, you understand, because I remember when I was still playing in Watford, he came to to visit me because he lives in she lives in Canada when she was alive with her family. You no, know, she came to visit me when I was in Watford. We went to the Watford shop to get Watford jersey and all that. Then we went to another store, normal football shop. I get a Manchester United jersey for her, which she put because then my number was 24 so she she put the number in the manchester united jersey number 24 because he's, he's a die-hard man chester united fan too even ian osman osman is a chelsea fan so they used to argue about manchester united at home sometimes even when i was playing in in watford she would send me message conversation between the ian the osman when chelsea lost the game or when manchester united lose the game the osman would be dissing her and all that they'll argue <laughs> so he said one of our one of our son is supporting Manchester United. The other one is supporting Chelsea because of the dad. So sometimes we'll score this on. I'm not gonna buy anything for you until you start supporting Manchester United with me and all that. So it's kind of sad that we prayed for this to happen. We prayed for me. We worked hard. We talked about this for me to play for Manchester United. Even though when I was playing in Watford, he said one day God will take you to your dream club. And now. I'm playing for my dream club. I'm playing for the club we both support and all of us both support. She's not here to see it and all that. Sometimes it's make, it makes me sad. Sometimes I even feel depressed about it, you know, understand? But sometimes I just say this life, you know, I know she will be happy where she is that I've accomplished this dream, you know. That's why I wrote her name in my football shoes. Even I, I, I did a special shirt for her with her name, sign autograph and all that, which is framed and put, send it to, to the husband to put in their house in uh, in uh, Manchester and uh, in uh, Canada, so she will have the the original Manchester United jersey, the one I wore 
and played a game in Old Trafford. So I send it, I sign it, put a name there and write some words for and frame it, put it in a in a house there in Canada. So that is the, the bit I could do. So sometimes I do think about it that she will be so happy by now. I know she would have visited me more than five times, you know, but she's not here and life has to go on, you know. Very, very difficult for you. And I'm sure she would be extremely, extremely proud of you and her family also. Yeah. Those moments, I suppose, are difficult to think about when you make your debut for the club, you score your mm. first goal. First those goal. things are on your mind. Yeah. Uh, mixed mixed emotions, I suppose, for you. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, 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 when I scored my first goal and all that, when I was talking to my mom on the phone, my sisters, my brothers, they call me, we talk and all that. But she could, she's not around because I know she will be the first one to call me to talk about because she <laughs> watch games every weekend you know she watched my game she watched manchester united game i that's when i even felt it most you know because she could not call me because she's not alive to to call me to congratulate me and i spoke to my other siblings and my mom and all that so i felt it that moment and felt it really bad but life has to go like i said she's proud of me and i know she's really proud mm -hmm. of me she's happy she 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 she's she's grateful that my dream and the dream of the family and our own dream too for me to play in Manchester United come to pass. Mm -hmm. And without her and your siblings, you wouldn't be where you were today. That everybody is part of the process, all of your family part of the process to get you where you are today. Can you tell yeah. us about scoring that first goal, making your debut? What were, what were those those moments like? Yeah, uh, I, could, I could remember I was longing for that, you know, you understand. Then I'm a Manchester United player. Okay, now that one is gone. Now it's to work hard to do well and to get your first goal because that moment of signing for the team has passed. The moment now is to play and to score goals. I was waiting. I think I played two or three games without a goal. Back then, I was eager. I was eager. I was eager. And I said, ah, I have to score my first goal and all that. I said, I can't wait for that moment to come. When I scored my first goal, it's like after that game that night, I did not sleep till 6 a.m. in the morning because <laughs> the excitement, the phone calls, the tweet, everybody congratulating me, sending me a message, everybody in Nigeria because the fan base in Nigeria now grow up again because I'm the first Nigerian to play for Manchester United. So even so many people that is not supporting Manchester United before, they started supporting the team now because of me, mm -hmm. because they, 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 they send message. I could remember many that are supporting other teams, but now they are my United fan now because of me and all that. They started sending me message and all that. So it was a dream that fulfilled, you know, playing for Manchester United, scoring your first goal. This is the dream. And you don't want it to stop. You just want to keep continuing doing well. No Arsenal fans left in Nigeria now. <laughs> Everyone, Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, they're big, but not like before, you know, because uh, I know many of them that was Arsenal fan. They are requesting for Manchester United shirt now. If I'm going exactly. on now, I know, I know how many shirts I've ordered since I joined Man United till date. I know how many shirts I've sent 
more than 120 pieces of shirt back home <laughs> and yeah and if people are requesting now for this because i do it batch to batch i just get the names of the list and do it batch to batch so <laughs> even i just order like 12 three days ago just they just deliver it to my house i'm gonna send because dhl is not working out because of the lockdown i have to send it and i got another list now for to send this mountain so i'm doing it batch by batch so there's a lot of people that want the shirt there's a lot of people that 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 they value that shirt they said oh this is shirt from manchester not like the one you buying in the market this is coming mm -hmm. from the spot shop this is the original shirt so they want it from me signed and all that so they cherish that so much so that is the least I can do for them. So I just buy it and send it every time. You talk about fans in Nigeria. Did you notice how quickly you became a fan's favorite at Old Trafford? Yeah, you know, because uh, they know I'm here to play for the team and to give my best. And they know I'm a fan like them before I start playing for the team. So I don't just come in here to say, okay, I come here to just play one game or just make the money. I know I'm a Boywood fan of this team and I'm coming here to play with my heart, to give everything till the last day I'm going to live. Yeah, I'm going to give my best, whether good or bad, whether the game go well, but I'm going to give 101%. So they knew that from the first day. That's why they, 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 they support me. And I, I, even till today, I still receive support, I still receive messages from the fans and all that, which I, I, I cherish and I'm happy about. You also had a role in Scott McTominay's goal against City, which was the last game at Old Trafford that had fans in. What was that like? That was electrifying. <laughs> that was crazy. I've never seen atmosphere like that before. The atmosphere that day was crazy in Old Trafford. I can... Mm. I can, I, when I sat down on the bench, I was watching the crowd and all that. I said, wow, this is different level. Being in that pitch that day, scoring that second goal, I was going mentally. I was jumping like I, I, I was the one who scored the goal. If you, if you see the, if you saw the video, I was jumping, shouting, hey, like I was the one who scored. I did not score in that game, but I was happy because the atmosphere was crazy. That was that was one of the the biggest game and it's a derby game and won that game and the fans were pleased, they were happy. So it makes it one of the best moments in Old Trafford for me. And obviously you're not leaving Old Trafford because you're here until at the very least January. What yeah. are the what are the targets you've set yourself now? I have achieved my dream playing for Manchester United. I've played in how many different countries and all that. Whatever comes after this. For me, it's just a bonus. Mm -hmm. What about at United? Do you have any targets that you've set yourself? Yeah, my yeah, yeah. My target is just to do well till the last day. I'm gonna be here, supporting the team, playing well, scoring goals, having my chance if I'm opportune to play till the last day. As long everything goes on well, I want to finish well with the team. Then. I live there. It would be nice for you to have fans back in the stadium as well. Yeah, it would, it would, it would be nice because it's very strange and different now, but we have to keep mm -hmm. safe, you know. But mm -hmm. it is what it is. Just have to keep doing well. And after then, then uh, I become fan of the team again after January.
Mm-hmm. Orian, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think this has been one of my favourite podcasts yeah, that we've done. We've done over Absolutely. 50. It's been incredible to talk to you. Before you go, though, I just want to ask, is there a teammate that you've got particularly close to in your time that you think would be a good guest on our podcast? I am very close to many of the guys. I I think Eric Bailey, Quan Mata, they are good guys. We always laugh together in dressing room. Matic. Bai would be good, wouldn't he? Yeah, Bai is good. He's good guy. Kwamata is is a top guy. Matic, top guy. David, Bruno, Paul. These guys are very top. We laugh together. We joke together. We 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 always have fun together. So I think they are nice guys. They are they since the first day I arrived in the team, they took me well. They they accepted me as one of their own. They make they make me settle down so easily. I felt at home. It's not like I, I didn't feel like I'm joining a new team to start getting adapt after a few months. The first week, I already settled down and know. We started laughing and talking as if we have known each other for long. It's like like a family club, you know. They take you as their own, you know. So that's it. Beautiful. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Nice to talk to you guys. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. It was great. Thank Absolutely you. loved it. Brilliant. Thank you. Take care, mate. Good luck. Well, guys, I'm just going to echo what I did say to Orion. I do think that has been possibly my favourite podcast out of 50-something. I don't know how many. 50-odd, yeah. I feel like I say it after every one now. I go, no, oh, that was my favourite. No, that was It's so amazing. good. Incredible. Yeah. That is, that I is the cheeks best. again. And I made a joke at the beginning where I said, like, well, Bruno's was amazing and Rooney's was amazing, so no pressure on Nogalo. And his is maybe better than both. I have to agree. It's just incredible what a, what a when story. you think about yeah. what someone goes through to make it. Like, I know we're laughing about it being cold in Norway, but, you know, he says that one of his teammates came on trial and just could not cope and he had that mental attitude to keep going keep going like that's not easy no 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 way no 35 degrees to minus 20 oh you could imagine goodness. him exactly and he's bad enough going to going to a minus 20 country anyway but you just think he's never i mean him actually saying as well you know never seeing snow feeling snow touching snow snowball fights you can just, everything about that podcast, you could put yourself in his position and you could walk through it. Mm-hmm. Everything. Incredible. Imagine being in a hotel in the middle of China, in Shanghai, and you get a call from your agent, middle of the night, near enough, 11 o'clock, and then you have to go banging on doors. To you find put yourself in that position I to know. find the director. Yeah. The thing is, the way he tells the st- was told the story, sorry, as you say, Maisie, I could like feel myself getting in a panic yeah, so that he absolutely. could get that phone call through, get that I can see through. him absolutely banging on the doors. Yeah. Everything about it. the hotel have CCTV footage of the <laughs> corridor? <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Inspirational. I don't think you could have listened to that and now not be a proper fan of Ovi Nagalo. Yeah, no. totally agree. Absolutely. What a guy. Absolutely inspirational story of how he got there, his... Even his dad, of his time even his at, dad, giving yeah. him a giving him a belt, you know, to crack on with his with his own work and stuff like that. But yet, yeah, his parents are arguing, let him play football. He needs to do his work. 
so at the beginning, I was like, I know we have to, you know, we have to follow the narrative and get along to what comes next. But I was so interested in learning about the football viewing culture in Nigeria that I sort of didn't care about, like, oh, I know we need to get to Watford at some point. I'm not worried about Watford. I want to learn more about, like, Sometimes the, the viewings that they do yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I found that really interesting. Brilliant. Sometimes for some people, you don't need a script, do you? You just let them do the no, talking. just let them go. Although mm-hmm. if we had just let them do the talking, I think it would have been over in about 15 minutes. Fifteen, I yeah. think about three. <laughs> Till Macy, Macy pointed out that we don't I, I need to step we might want to in. I had to step detail. in. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's, yeah. let's, let's stop, 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 stop. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, we have a link Inspirational. Love that one. Yes, let's do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Nathan Malik said, "Hi, United Podcast. Great job thus far from Simon Hellsbells or H and Dave. I love the intros into the podcast with the commentators and the crowd noises. It gives me goosebumps every time." An intro as such and replays are listened to. Uh, good job, Tasker. There you go. And Heidi and others hidden away on that. Love that. Involving everyone there, Nathan. Thank you. Yeah. He said he started listening to these podcasts when I discovered it in April, taking our dog Rolo out for an hour a day walk. Walks now increased to one and a half hours in the Seattle cold. I'm a Manchester person living in the USA. Manchester person? I'm Mank living in the US. Just like Helen, the only other podcast I listened to before was Serial, but yours has me hooked. I have listened to all 50 plus episodes, which have all been brilliant, but my favourites were Viv, Anderson, Ben Thorney, Lee Sharp, Gordon Hill, Amy Turner and Siobhan Chamberlain. I would love to hear from a non-playing staff, such as coaches, physios, office staff, dinner ladies, etc. An example would be Rob Swires. Rob was, in my eyes, famous for being the physio during the noughties. When I attended matches, I used to watch the players leave Old Trafford in the cars. I was the only one calling out for Rob and taking photos of him. Anyway, if not Rob, then Paul Parker, Rio and, yep, my favourite players. Keep up the good work, Nathan. And there he has... Taking a picture, I presume it was him taking the picture, of Rob Swire, our physio. And I think that is Andy, the masseuse, alongside him. Yeah, Big awesome. fan there. To be fair, our last non-playing staff episode went down an absolute treat with Albert, didn't it? Yeah. That's a great email. I love that. Nathan, thank you so much. Has anybody ever, anyone been to Seattle? I've never been. Seattle? No. Yeah. No. Went to Vancouver and you could go to Seattle for the day, but I didn't want to. And not a crazy story. Probably not the Nathan best Hurst. thing to say to Nathan. <laughs> another Nathan. Nathan. Hurst says, yeah, another Nathan says, Hi, I've been listening to the podcast throughout lockdown on my lunch breaks uh, working from home. I thought it was brilliant to hear from Alan Smith so openly uh, about his take on football and sport in general with children. Would love to hear from Raphael and or Fabio about their move to England and how they found life at United. Thanks from Nathan. Nathan, uh, we really want to get um, Raphael and Fabio on, and we got really close. Uh, we were going to head out, weren't we, to France? But unfortunately, Turkey the restrictions then, then took hold of um, travel and stuff. So we haven't. But that is absolutely our intention. So at some point, uh, hopefully, we, we will, um, we'll do that for you and it'll be great. Ashley Kirchie said, just wanted you all to know that I absolutely love the podcast. Being a United fan all of my life and I can't believe only now I have found this podcast. On the plus side, I've got hours upon hours of great listening to enjoy. Just wanted to let David know how much I loved watching him. I have great memories of watching the treble winning season on VHS videotape. For the younger listeners, couldn't get enough of his celebration on lifting the Champions League. Keep up the good work. And Ashley is in South Wales. Thank you very much indeed. Nice. I had that. Uh, I imagine none of you did. Tasca, maybe you did. I had the treble VHS as well. And I used to watch it if I was ill. I used to watch it in the morning. I used to watch it if I couldn't sleep. And I just watched it 
any opportunity. It was like, oh, nothing to do. Put it on till I knew the commentary for each individual highlight clips of the game. Did you do that? I did. I had that. I had a Roy Keane VHS um, as I see it, yeah. which was like a behind the scenes at the cliff. Um, or maybe it was at Carrington by then. But I must have watched both of them a few hundred times. <laughs> I miss the days of VHSs. Mm. Why? Good old video. Tape it, tape it, mum, make sure you tape it. Yeah, tape it. I showed my niece one recently. She had no idea what it was. Right, should I do one last email and then we'll go? Yeah. Okay, uh, a last one from Peter Roberts who says, just want to add my thanks from all the other United fans for producing a great podcast. It would be good to get a name check for the producer and team. Who else Who else should get a thank for this, Tasker? Yeah, uh, Heidi Comrie, who you've heard a few times. Scott Lawson. Um, your brother Tom Homewood helps with some of the video edits for this. Um, plus, since lockdown and having to sometimes do these over Zoom, a lot of the MUTV Producers and assistant producers have all helped out as well. So uh, a team effort. Um, so uh, where's the rest of the email? He said, I'm a 58-year-old who has followed May United since I was 15 and lived in... Go on. Happer... Happer Hay. Ha- what? Happer Hay. Thank you very much. You have to say, you <laughs> have to say it like that when you come from Happer Hay. Hay. Because you actually say like Happer Hay. Happer Hay. I'm a 58-year-old who has followed Man United since I was 15 when I lived in Harper Hay in North Manchester for 11 years. The pod has helped me get through a chronic illness and it distracts me from my pain. Thank you so much. I'd love to hear a pod from Rene Mullenstein or someone who has worked alongside Sir Alex and has been at the club and seen players come through from kids to senior pros. Thanks again for making life a little easier to tolerate. Peter Roberts. Peter, thank you so much for your, your email and I hope you're okay and I'm, I'm really sorry that you're having to suffer and... You know, even worse that the only solution you found to that is us. Yes, Peter, we echo Sam's sentiments. All the best to you, and I'm glad that this is helping you three. That is it for another podcast this week, guys. Well done. Yeah, we smashed it. Well done, everyone. It's been an absolute pleasure. Don't forget, you can get in touch in the usual ways. What's the email, Sam? It is May United United Podcast. <laughs> it's United Podcast at mayunited.co.uk. That's the one. It's in the show notes if you need it. And don't forget, you can watch us every Friday night on MUTV if your heart desires. And we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Great job, everyone.